This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Dzień dobry from Poland. Welcome to November edition of Polish Waves on Plains FM 96.9, Canterbury Community Access Radio Station, a radio by, for, and about citizens and community. My name is Dorota, and you have just joined us on a journey to learn something about our home country, Poland. In this edition of Polish Waves, Our team will proudly present some interesting and unknown facts and details about one very special Pole, one outstanding personality, and one exceptional human being, Karol Józef Wojtyła, known as John Paul II. Welcome to the November program and... Welcome, Dorota. Hello, how are we today? Good, thank you. Yes, November um, this this year uh, is a very special November, uh, especially for the Catholic community and especially for Poles. Uh, and especially here, for Catholics here in, in New Zealand. Zealand. Uh, yes, because this month uh, marks the 35th anniversary of John Paul II's visit to New Zealand in November 1986. Including Christchurch. Uh, of course, including Christchurch as well. Uh, that was um, considered a named uh, Pacific pilgrimage, uh, and during that visit down under here, um, uh, John Paul II visited Fiji, New Zealand, and Australia. And I believe he um, had uh, a number of, of meetings and messes and, and of gatherings. Of course, and, and with, with, with uh, obviously Catholic uh, communities, but also with Polish communities. Uh, the, that's that's right. The pontiff's um, open friendliness um, and sincerity captured the hearts of thousands of people of all re- religions and regions, and uh, it was a significant a significant event for a lot of a lot of people. Um, and as Tom mentioned, um, in New Zealand, um, John Paul uh, II, Karol Wojtyła, visited Auckland, Wellington, and Christchurch, um, and those memories are still vivid um, within certain communities. Um, the historic event was still fresh, especially, especially, um, but uh, spiritually very significant gift that Pope has given to New Zealand. And that was the image of the Black Madonna, which was presented in Auckland uh, in on November 22nd, 1986. And uh We have to say that our program, uh, we were inspired by, the, by those memories. We spoke to many people who witnessed uh, the visit, who participated in the masses, mm-hmm. especially here in Christchurch. And, and those memories were very inspiration, inspirational to us and, and many uh, ideas and thoughts about today's programs. program came from those talks with people who were at the time And present. present, And present, yes. Exactly. So uh, to mark this anniversary, uh, we decided to do a program about John Paul II, but also this year. Um, a significant event, a special event was held um, in New Zealand, here in New Zealand, on the West Coast, in a in high school in Greymouth. Um, that was um, that event was held on October twenty second. Twenty second. That was New Zealand Feast Day of Saint John Paul II, and it was held in a school named after John Paul II. Second. It was John Paul II High School. High school. So, how do they celebrate, Tom? Do you know? Well, before we say that, uh, yeah, uh, I, I think we have to say thank you for uh, uh, thank you uh, to uh, big thank you to uh, Baina Pope, mm-hmm. who uh, is a teacher in uh, in that school. Of course, thank you to staff and students. Abaina is a member of our board of trustees uh, between the Waters um, Charitable Trust. And she also is the fourth generation of uh, settlers. 
So mm. we had a bit of Polish connection, um, as well as, of course, the, the celebrations them, themselves. Yeah, there wasn't a better person than Abaina to organize and, and um, lead this, this whole project for us uh, in Gremov. Unfortunately, due to COVID, we were not able to facilitate it um, ourselves. And uh, also the Polish ambassador was not able to travel to be there with, with the students who did an um, enormous um, um, effort, made an enormous effort to celebrate it in Polish uh, national colors with uh, with um, auto automobile. Um, yes, yeah, so the students made the Popmobile. Popmobile. Uh, Popmobile, uh, yes, well. uh, a replica of Popmobile. Uh, they were uh, white and red uh, jelly cups for every student. There were Polish dumplings, pierogi for lunch for... Uh, for or for morning stay yeah. for staff. Um. So there was everything Polish um, that they could do on on the day, and uh, we are very sorry that we couldn't participate. But we, I'm sure we will we will visit one day uh, to to. Uh, to continue, follow basically, up and to follow, follow up, up. On, the, on the celebrations. <laughs> the special, uh, the special uh, mention needs to be made uh, about the cup uh, that was uh, presented to school. Um, the cup was is called Totus Tuus, and um, this is a Latin motto of John Paul II. Um, the cup was presented on behalf of the ambassador uh, of uh, the Republic of Poland, Mr. Grzegorz Koval, and it was sponsored by uh, the Polish Legacy New Zealand Trust. Uh, this cup uh, will be presented annually to a student who lives out the motto. The motto. It's so... Was, yeah. yeah. And, uh, of course, uh, if, if, if the... Uh, situation permits, then we perhaps will do the follow-up next year at the same time, just to to visit and to share with students um, our knowledge and, mm. and what uh, and yeah, it was it was certainly a, an interesting event, and um, I'm sh I'm sure we will we'll, we will have a follow up at some point. It's also worth mentioning that apart from the cup, there was also um, a rose planted uh, for John Paul II in in the school's memorial garden. So there are significant uh, footprints left um, because um, because of those of this of this anniversary or because of this event, and it's um, a, a big thumbs up for uh, to to students who participated, who took uh, initiative, and uh, also to Abaina, who led this project. So um, until next time, we would like to now introduce you to our special uh, piece of, um, of our program, uh, where we talk and uh, commemorate John Paul II, Karol Wojtyła, one of the most famous Poles ever. Enjoy. Annuncio Bobis Gaudium Magnum. In this special edition, Polish Waves team, Dorota, Sylvia and Tomasz, will share with you interesting and unknown facts and details about one very special Pole, one outstanding personality, one exceptional human being, Karol Józef Wojtyła, known worldwide as Pope John Paul II. In October 1978, the Sistine Chapel becomes the center of attention of the entire world. The conclave has begun. Subsequent voting sessions bring no conclusion. The situation changes on the third day. Cardinal Karol Wojtyła becomes the front-runner. Habemus Papam, a voice from the balcony on St. Peter's Basilica, announces... Cardinalem Wojtyła. Who is he? A cardinal from Poland? The last non-Italian pope lived in the 16th century. The new pope appears on the balcony and immediately wins the hearts of all gathered. The extraordinary piece of news makes it to the newspapers all over the world. They called him in from a distant country. Distant, but still so close because of a community of faith and Christian tradition, 
said John Paul II in his first words to the faithful. So here it is, our special broadcast of Thinking My Country. Thinking My Country. When I think my country, I express what I am, anchoring my roots. And this is what the heart tells. As if a hidden frontier ran from me to others, embracing us all within a past, older than each of us. And from this past I emerge when I think my country. I take her into me as a treasure, constantly wondering how to increase it, how to give a wider measure to that space it fills with all. John Paul II, the Pole. The matters of my homeland have always been very important to me. All that my nation goes through I hold dear in my heart. I deem the good of my homeland my good, said John Paul II in 1998. Back in the 16th century, Poland was the largest country in Europe, but slowly, painfully and inevitably, the control of its superior position was lost. For the last two centuries, again and again, Poland has been brutally partitioned and devoured by its neighbors. Germans, Austrians and Russians divided and redivided the low, flat, defenseless country, drenching its borders in blood and torturing the national psyche. Karol Józef Wojtyła, whose rise to the papacy signaled the new hope for his nation, was born on a day of a great modern reckoning for the Poles. May 18, 1920, a day called the Polish Miracle. On that day, Marshal Józef Piłsudski struck a deciding blow in the war against Soviets and seized Kiev. It was Poland's first major military victory in over two centuries. It set in motion events which briefly restored Poland's independence. Mindful of that nation's turning point, Karol's father 
gave his new son middle name as Joseph after Piłsudski. Some people said it was Joseph after Mary's self-sacrificing husband. The confluence of history and religion were significant, as was the moment of Carol's birth. He belonged to a generation who braved oppression and defeat in the air around them. But unlike their parents, they also knew what freedom tasted like. In Pope's own words from 1999, You know that I was born in 1920 in May. That is when the Bolsheviks march on towards Warsaw. That is why, ever since the day of my birth, I have been carrying a great debt with regard to those who stood tall that day against the invaders and triumphed, paying for this victory with their own lives. Karol Józef Wojtyła was born in the Polish town of Wadowice near Kraków. He was the youngest of three children born to Karol, an ethnic Pole, and Emilia, who was of distant Lithuanian heritage. Emilia, who was a school teacher, died, unfortunately, from a heart attack and kidney failure in 1929, when Karol was eight. He was very close to his brother Edmund, nicknamed Mundek, who was 13 years his senior. Edmund's work as a physician eventually led to his death from scarlet fever, a loss that affected Wojtyła deeply. In an interview with André Fossard, Pope said, My boyhood and adolescence are connected primarily with my father, whose spiritual life deepened after he had lost his wife and older son. I looked at his life up close, I saw him demanding of himself, I saw him kneeling to pray. And that was the most important thing in those years, which means so much in a young man's adolescence. Karol was raised as a Polish Catholic. As a boy, he was athletic, often playing football as a goalkeeper. While a priest in Kraków, groups of students regularly joined Wojtyła for hiking, skiing, biking, camping and kayaking, accompanied by prayer or outdoor mass and theological discussions. In Stalinist-era Poland, it was not permitted for priests to travel with a group of students, so Wojtyła asked his younger companions to call him Wujek, which is Polish for uncle, to prevent outsiders from deducing he was a priest. This nickname gained popularity among his followers. As uneventful as was his youth in Wadowice, his young adulthood was transformed by the tragedy of the war. Poland's loss during the war is hard to grasp with the loss of over six million people. John Paul, who moved to Krakow in 1938 to study acting, spent the majority of the war as a laborer while he attended a seminar school in secret. He was ordained a priest in 1946. In 1958, Wojtyła was holidaying with young people on a kayak trip at Mazurian Lakes east of Poland. Summoned by Polish primate Stefan Wyszyński, Wojtyła went to Warsaw to learn about his episcopal appointment. Eminence, I am way too young, I am barely 38, he said. From such weakness, Wyszyński replied, we all recover rather quickly. Wojtyła was named Archbishop of Krakow in 1964. In October 1978, the man born Karol Józef Wojtyła became John Paul II, the first non-Italian pontiff in 455 years. The Polish nation's favorite son. He still looms large in Polish life more than 40 years after he was named Bishop of Rome. From a towering 45-foot-tall statue depicting the Pope with outstretched hands that overlooks the city of Częstochowa, to the relics distributed to churches throughout the country, Poland is awash in tributes to the man commonly referred to as our Pope. In a post-war communist years, ruling party officials in Poland tried to control the church and the Pope's opposition to communism would be one signature of his papacy. When John Paul first returned to Poland as Pope in 1979, one million people turned out in Warsaw Victory Square to hear his call for solidarity. Be not afraid, he told the crowds. 
Months later, a labor movement in a shipyard in Gdańsk planted the seed for non-violent revolution that would lead to the end of communist rule one decade later. In Poland, Karol Wojtyła is remembered as the Pope of the Poles, the protector of their spiritual sovereignty and their national independence, like protecting one's mother. On one of his trips to Poland in 1983 in his speech at Warsaw Okenci Airport, he said, Poland is a special mother. Her history is not easy, especially in the last centuries. This is a mother who has suffered a lot and who still today suffers. That is why she has a right to a special love. Here is the great John Paul II's favorite song called Barka. Tune in and listen to Pope's own voice joining in. The song begins with the following words. The Lord once stood on the shore. He sought people ready to follow him and become fishers of men through God's words of truth. O Lord, this is you who have found me. From your lips I could hear my name. And my boat I do leave on the shore now, since today I'll be fishing with you.
Follow Christ. Follow Christ. You are preparing for the total giving of yourself to Christ and to the service of His kingdom. You bring to Christ the gift of your youthful enthusiasm and vitality. Do not disappoint Him. Do not disappoint the people who are waiting for you to bring Christ to them. Do not fail your generation. Bring Christ to the young people of your generation as the only answer to their longing. I believe in you. In this segment, I will talk about John Paul II and his relationship with youth. Pope John Paul II ignited rapport with young people in the early years of his papacy. For example, on his first visit to the United States in October 1979, he wowed tens of thousands of teenagers at Madison Square Garden in New York City. With school bands blaring popular music, he rode the Papa Mobile up and down the aisles greeting the kids and touching their outstretched hands. At one point, the youth began to chant, John Paul II, we love you. John Paul II, we love you. The Pope, smiling broadly, responded with, Woo-hoo-woo, John Paul II, he loves you. This cheer sums up one reason why young people rallied around him. He won their affection because they could feel his love for them. Karol Wojtyła discovered his charisma for relating to youth early in his priesthood. He served as a chaplain to university students in Krakow. He invited these young people to join him at weekly messes, gave them conferences, and took them hiking and kayaking. During these escapades, he talked with them for hours, but they never heard him say, you should do this. What he would always say, you must choose. Gradually, an informal community of young people formed around the future Pope, sharing their lives with him. He was able to lead them to Christ and help them develop a modern Catholic lifestyle. He called this group his środowisko, which meant his companionment, and they became his lifelong friends. As Pope, John Paul II looked back on the days of his środowisko, his vision for World Youth Day was born. He realized that if he could accompany a small group of university students, he could also accompany youth of the world and become their friend. World Youth Day began with John Paul II's invitation to young people in 1984 to come to Rome for Palm Sunday. More than 300,000 turned out for the celebration. The following year, 1985, coincided with the United Nations International Year of Youth. On that occasion, John Paul II wrote the apostolic letter to the youth of the world, which he chose to begin with words, Dilecti Amici, Dear Friends. And he wrote to them, You belong to the future, just as the future belongs to you. Youth itself, the Pope proposed, is not merely personal property, for the young, but rather is a special possession belonging to everyone, that youth have a responsibility to share. Youth is a possession of humanity itself, the Pope said. The same year, on Palm Sunday, around a quarter million of young Catholics came to Rome once again. Then, on December the 20th, the Pope announced the first official World Youth Day meeting set for 1986. 
When John Paul II proposed launching what became World Youth Day, most of the Roman Curia thought he had taken leave of his senses. Young adults in the late 20th century just weren't interested in an international festival involving catechesis, the way of the cross, confession and the Eucharist. John Paul, by contrast, understood that the adventure of leading a life of heroic virtue was just as compelling in late modernity as it had been in his day. He had confidence that future leaders of the third millennium of Christian history would answer that call to adventure. That didn't mean that they would be perfect, but as he said to young people on so many occasions, never ever settle for anything less than the spiritual and moral grandeur that God's grace makes possible in your life. You will fail, we all do. But don't lower the bar of expectation. Get up, dust yourself off, seek reconciliation. But never ever settle for anything less than heroism for which you were born. Because heroism is never out of fashion. So, the first official World Youth Day was celebrated in 1986 in Rome, also on the Palm Sunday. Then... The Pope invited youth biannual to World Youth Day with him at international sites, beginning in 1987 at Buenos Aires. Millions of young people from all over the world attended these joyous international celebrations. In fact, the closing mass of the 1995 World Youth Day in Manila drew five to seven million people probably the largest gathering in human history. His message on this occasion typified his approach to young people. You, young people, are especially called to become missionaries of this new evangelization by daily witnessing to the word that saves. Dear friends, allow yourself to be drawn to Christ Accept his invitation to follow him. Go and preach the good news that redeems. Do it with happiness in your hearts and become communicators of hope in a world which is often tempted with to despair. Communicators of faith in a society which at times seem resigned to disbelief and communicators of love in daily event. Each World Youth Day is celebrated with specific theme, emphasizing universality of the church and diversity around the globe. For these days, large crowds gather in the host city streets, catechesis and prayers take place throughout the day, and young people sing and dance, waving their own national flags. They trade items with other young people from different countries, Things like flags, crosses, shirts, and other Catholic symbols. Youth always played a significant role in John Paul II papacy. He always said, If you spend time with young people, you too remain young. He often spoke directly and lovingly to youth in his letters and talks, urging them to give their lives to God and to never give up hope. Pope John Paul II earned the confidence of youth because he took them seriously. They sensed that he understood their concerns. He challenged them. For example, in Auckland's domain park on 22nd of November 1986, Pope addressed young people of New Zealand with these words. Dear young friends, you too are at a turning point in your lives. And by Christ's grace and His love, it may happen today. Some of you may have known doubt and confusion. You may have experienced sadness and failure and serious sin. For all of you, however, this is an important time in your lives. It is a time of decision. It is a time to accept Christ, to accept His friendship and love. At the end of his address, Pope said, Dear young people of New Zealand, 
Jesus looks with love on each of you. Do not be afraid then when love makes demands. Do not be afraid when love requires sacrifice. Do not be afraid of the cross of Christ. The cross is the tree of life. It is the source of all joy and peace. It was the only way for Jesus to reach resurrection and triumph. It is the only way for us to share in his life now and forever. Young people of New Zealand, Jesus is with you. Do not be afraid. With such heart-to-heart communication, the Pope created a dynamic friendship with millions of youth. Few, if any of us, will have opportunities to influence so many people for Christ and the Church. But John Paul II's example teaches us the important lesson that making friends is the prerequisite to all evangelization. I truly think that the young people who met John Paul II were touched by his love and embraced by his gaze. His way of speaking directly to young people, urgently inviting and encouraging millennial generation to put their gifts, their energy and their talents to the service of God in the world.
John Paul II was also a poet and playwright. Like the several languages he spoke fluently, this man was also of several talents, interests and abilities. Plays and poetry were two ways that patriotic citizens maintained their heritage. Not only did John Paul II write books, he also wrote plays, besides plays based on biblical characters like David or Jeremiah, he also wrote plays like Our God's Brother, The Jewelry Shop, and Radiation of Fatherhood, The Mystery. Dealing with the universal themes of faith and practicing it in day-to-day -day life. The Jewelry Shop is a three-act play still available in English. The setting is, as the title suggests, a jewelry shop, and the main characters are three couples who enter the store. Each couple has a different struggle as well as different understanding and experience of love, doubt, fear, disappointment, dissolution, and hope. The moral of the story is not to give up, which applies not just to married life, but also to religious and spiritual life in general. This is the story of young lovers, how they got together, what happened to them. But it's best to start at the beginning, when they were simply friends. As far as they knew, I was a goldsmith who owned a jewelry shop in Krakow. Custom dictated they would have to come to me for wedding rings. For each, that would be a momentous occasion, reaching deep into the past and stretching far into the future. That was years ago, before the war, the Second World War. John Paul II also wrote poetry. Through his poems, you get a glimpse into his heart and soul as a man and a human being. His poems show a tender, vulnerable, yet still very confident nature of the man who became the Bishop of Rome and head of the Catholic Church. Here is a sample of his poetry from a poem he wrote in 1939 about his mother, Emilia, who had died tragically when Carol was only nine. Over this, your white grave. Over this, your white grave, the flowers of life in white, so many years without you, how many have passed out of sight? Over this, your white grave, covered for years, there's a steer in the ear, something uplifting and like death beyond comprehension. Over this, your white grave, oh, Mother can such a loving cease. For all his filial adoration, a prayer, give her eternal peace. The last two centuries witnessed historical events that brought decisive changes in the political and social life of entire nations and influenced the fate of individual citizens. Pope John Paul II was a special witness of all these events. For example, he personally experienced the dramatic and heroic history of his country, Poland. In 1993, in Castel Gandolfo residence, two Polish philosophers, Father Józef Tichner and Krzysztof Michalski, offered Pope to conduct a critical historical and philosophical analysis of the two dictatorships, which significantly marked the 20th century, Nazism and Communism. Those analyses were captured in a book called Memory and Identity. The book presents some of Pope's experiences and reflections that matured in him in the face of various forms of evil towards which he never lost the perspective of good, convinced that good ultimately wins. In Memory and Identity, the Pope wonders what the terms such as homeland, nation, history, identity and Europe mean for a particular individual, like each of us, Paul or New Zealander. According to John Paul, two most primal issues that concern humans are freedom and responsibility. In the course of Pope's reflections, these concepts find their connection. He asks how to use freedom in conscious and responsible way. Responsibility is essential to be able to skillfully and properly use the gift of free will offered to man by God. John Paul II devotes the entire second chapter of memory and identity discussing elementary issues 
which in the modern world have significantly devaluated. Analyzing concepts such as homeland, nation, identity, patriotism, John Paul II also points to the need to respect the centuries-old tradition and history of the country. He draws attention to the fact that for modern young people, these concepts are no longer as close as for the generation rem remembering the war times. Today's highly globalized world presents values such as a religion or patriotism as unfashionable and inadequate to the realities and moment of history. John Paul II shows how naive and spiritually poor this attitude is. Pope treats patriotism as a very important category of thinking and acting. In his statements, he even postulates to treat it as a fourth commandment which elevates the love of the motherland. John Paul II had an excellent knowledge of the history of the world, Europe and Poland. Memory, identity and history are concepts that constantly enter into dialogue with John Paul II, interpenetrate and contemplate each other. Fans of typical historical works will find a completely different course of lecture at the Pope. It is also worth remembering that Karol Wojtyła was the head of the chair of ethics at the Catholic University of Lublin for many years, which certainly made it much easier for him to reconcile the science with the religion and the philosophy. The key words in the work of the Polish Pope are interconnected, and so memory, identity, history, tradition and patriotism evoke the notion of heritage. This heritage can be understood more broadly as the cultural resource of the general population or the entire continent, or narrowly as the heritage of a given nation, here Polish. You should use the achievements of previous generations wisely, remember them, try to emphasize them today and refer to them. As Pope clearly points out, Poland has always been strongly present in Europe. It is our home country that was largely contributed to today's image of the old continent. As a clergyman and head of the Catholic Church, John Paul II could not ignore man's relationship to God in his considerations. At the same time, the Pope expresses his deep conviction that the Church in Europe carries out a specific evangelizing mission. This intention guided the successive works of the Pope and it is especially clearly visible in memory and identity. John Paul II, the Pilgrim Pope. John Paul is the first Pope in history to visit the Church in all corners of the world. During the more than 26 years of his pontificate, he made over 100 official trips, covering a distance equal to more than 42 laps around the equator. He visited 129 countries. During his reign, the pilgrim pope made 104 foreign trips, more than all previous popes combined. He consistently attracted large crowds on his travels, some among the largest ever assembled. While some of his trips, such as to the United States and the Israel, were to places previously visited by pope, many other were to countries that no pope had ever previously visited. He was the first Catholic Pope to visit and pray in a mosque. The first Pope to visit Greece in 1,291 years. The first modern Catholic Pope to visit Egypt. In January 1995, he offered Mass to an estimated crowd of 5 million in Luneta Park in Manila, the largest papal crowd ever. He visited his motherland, Poland, eight times. John Paul made it down under to New Zealand in November 1986. On November 24th, third day of his Pacific pilgrimage to New Zealand, Pope arrived in Christchurch. At 10.25 that morning, he traveled in his Papa Mobile from Christchurch Cathedral to Lancaster Park. 
At 10.35, the pontiff entered Lancaster Park and completed a circuit of the crowds. At 10.45, the papal mass began. Attending was Angela Grieve, a descendant of New Zealand early Polish settlers. Here is her recollection. Hello, Jen Dobra. I am Angela Grieve. I live in Methven, mid-Canterbury, a small rural town near the foot of Mount Hutt ski field and a busy town base for the farming industry here. I was born in Methven. Growing up here during the 1950s and 1960s, I attended the local Catholic school and our parents knew the priest and the Mercy nuns as very devoted reverent church leaders, teachers and friends. As a family, we always knew to pray and said the rosary every night. We attended Sunday Mass and Easter services and, of course, Christmas Mass, often as Midnight Mass. Our Polish blood came from our grandmother Mary, eldest daughter of Michael Szymanski, and her mother Annie Dunik, also Polish descent. My great-great-grandfather was Christopher Szymanski, who came to New Zealand in 1882, 10 years after his brother Matthew Szymanski's arrival here in 1872 from the Pomeranian area of Poland. They came to this unknown and different land with tens of thousands of others under assisted immigrants of the Julius Vogel scheme for a better life and better future. I'm a fifth generation of Polish descent and proud of our heritage and ancestors. Thanks to Grandma Mary and our mother, Eva Clemens, we developed strong Polish Catholic values and beliefs, teaching us the importance of our ancestors and their contribution to our lives. So, in 1986, we knew Pope John Paul II was going to be the first and to date the only Holy Father to visit Aotearoa, New Zealand. It was a very special time in our lives, and by this stage I was married to Roger. We had three sons attending the local Catholic school. From my diary entry, 24th of November, 1986, I recorded that we would need to be ready for the bus leaving Methven early morning. I was taking our oldest our two oldest boys, Christopher, age 12, and Philip, age 10, with me on the Midland bus, a daily service through to Christchurch. It was a fine morning with a brisk breeze, so we had our jackets and our lunch boxes packed too. We were amongst other parents and children on the bus. There was much chatter on the journey, and the travel time of one and a half hours went quickly. We needed our pre-issued entry tickets that stated that we would be at Lancaster Park off Stevens Street, Christchurch, to attend the celebration of Mass led by Pope John Paul II, our Polish Pope. The ticket stated that we would need to be seated in your allocated place by 9.30am. So we were. The whole crowd participated in a rehearsal of the upcoming Mass and celebrations as stated in our program and on our tickets, which I've always kept and treasured, the Pope arrived in his Pope-mobile, doing a circuit of the grounds amid cheering and waving. He proceeded to the raised stage, along with his attendance of Cardinal Thomas Williams, seven bishops, many priests, altar boys and Catholic nuns. Twelve priests gathered in the grassed area to give communion. The papal mitre, the outer head covering of the Pope, was removed for the celebration of the Mass. The silver crucifix was evident, being carried and held up by the Pope at times of offering a blessing to the crowds present. With all the lecterns, candles, crucifixes, musicians and key people in place, the Holy Mass commenced. During the Mass there was a shower of rain and many people managed to produce some kind of raincoat or plastic covering. Some of the people were lucky enough to be chosen to receive communion from the pontiff. There were small children dressed in national dress of Poland. The 
weather cleared and at appropriate times we could hear the Polish national anthem being enthusiastically sung and see the red and white flags of Poland fluttering in the breeze, hearing the beautiful words by Joseph Wybicki, Poland is ours forever. The theme of the celebration of the Eucharist was Justice is the path to peace. The quote which we learned from Pope John Paul II was, It is not enough to discover Christ, you must bring him to all others. It was such a special moving occasion and a privilege to be part of the huge congregation singing the responses. I wonder if others remember this occasion. And did we hear Viva Papa being chanted? as you do when you when visiting the Holy Father in Rome. Following the conclusion of the Mass, the Pope walked along to bless the elderly gathered in the front to give his special blessing. There were rosary beads held up high in hope of a sprinkle of hot holy water as the words of the special blessing were recited. Pope John Paul II was farewelled at Christchurch International Airport following the 1.30pm departure from Lancaster Park. During the 1980s, Lancaster Park was the home ground of the rugby union. Many rugby enthusiasts attended rugby games there, but only once in 1986 was there the chance to attend Mass and see the Holy Father from Rome. So that was our day, the 24th of November 1986. Thank you, Polish Pope John Paul II, for visiting our country and our province of Canterbury. We were truly blessed. The year 2020 was announced as the year of St. John Paul II. May 18th marked 100th anniversary of his birth. On this occasion... The John Paul II Institute of Intercultural Dialogue in Krakow prepared the hymn in tribute to the Pope with the eloquent title No One Will Replace You. Enjoy. Goodbye. You are listening to Polish Waves on Plains FM. Our broadcast was sponsored by Between the Waters Polish Legacy in New Zealand Trust and supported by Polish Embassy in Wellington. We advocate and promote Polish heritage as part of New Zealand ethnic identity and provide forum to present, share and celebrate Polish uniqueness. You can look us up on Facebook, Polish Legacy in New Zealand, or find us on Spotify under Polish Waves. Tune in to our Christmas program on Friday, December the 10th. Do usłyszenia! Świat